Welcome to Proud by Her. This is a podcast that will be highlighting some amazing music producers and engineers out there kicking butt in the music industry. We'll cover what they make, how they make it, what drives them, and how they got to where they are today. We'll hear about their process, gear, superpowers, and much, much more. It'll be techy and hopefully enlightening and inspiring for other music makers or anyone interested in good stories. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our page on your preferred streaming site and follow us on Instagram with the handle prodbyher to stay up to date on new episodes. My name is Christina Nilsson. I'm a songwriter, producer, and singer, and I will be your host on the journey to get to know the producers that we'll be interviewing. Let's get started. Our guest today, Lara Eskide, has many exciting titles. In addition to being a producer, she is also a show designer for main stages and giant tours, an innovator, an entrepreneur, and an artist. There are few people who understand the complete spectrum of the music industry the way she does, with her involvement on all sides. Her deep understanding of complex technology have made Lara one of the world's most in-demand live show designers. She's brought massive productions to life, including Kanye West, Jay-Z, Bonnevere, Missy Elliott, Herbie Hancock, and the TV show American Idol. She became the world's first Ableton certified trainer in 2008. And in 2012, she founded Electronic Creatives, where she trained programmers and playback engineers for artists such as Logic, Ariana Grande, The Weeknd, Big Sean, Charlie XCX, and the Yeah Yeah Yes. The company has become a worldwide leader in this field. On top of all this, She's also released tons of music as an artist under the name Alox and under her real name as well. And she's done official remixes for artists including M83 and Policia and played violin on albums with Big Grams, Kanye West and JC and many more. She also opened for Miguel on his 2018 Wild Heart Tour. This is so much amazing information that it's almost hard to take it all in. So I'll now let Laura tell her own story with her own words and tell us more about her exciting career. So without further ado, here is the episode proud by Laura Eskide. Wow, thank you so much. What a what an intro. I'm like, wow, I did all that stuff. <laughs> this is so much it's it's really exciting. Oh, thank so you. we're uh Thanks for having us and yeah, inviting us to your studio. Yeah. Um, Thanks for doing what you do. I mean, it's so incredible that you're shining a light on on women and people that the masses might not know and their work. And it's just beautiful. So thank you for doing oh, that. Yeah, thank you. It's really exciting. Um, so to warm up, uh, I was going to start by firing off like 10 quick questions. Uh, so let's start with where are you from and where do you live and work now? So I was born in Florida, um, but I was a Navy brat, so I moved all around the U.S., but mostly grew up in New England, so Connecticut and Rhode Island, and moved back to Florida, went to college there, and two years out of college, got the bug to move to the West Coast, started hearing so much about California and how amazing it was, and I'd kind of hit the pinnacle of what I could do in Florida and just realized I'd hit the ceiling and I couldn't do very much more. So came out to LA in 2004 and just started at the bottom, started at the very bottom. I was a big fish in a small pond in Florida, and I became a small fish in a very big pond in LA. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been living and working in LA since 2004. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what's uh, what's your education? So I went to music school. I went to Vanderbilt and Florida State and got a bachelor's in violin performance with a minor in business. Mm. Yeah. Uh, when did you write your first ever song? 
Ooh, so I was constantly writing songs when, when I was growing up and playing violin, but in a much different way, just writing violin pieces and never writing it down, just kind of improvising and playing things. Um, and, but I was a classical musician, so I did a lot of reading music off of a page, right? And I didn't really know how to like write songs at the time. And uh, when I was in college, I it was my junior year, and my best friend's boyfriend was a DJ. And they kept saying, you need to come out to these raves, and you need to come watch me DJ. And I was like, what do you mean, DJ? You mean you're playing other people's songs? And what what's going on? Like, I, I just, it was such a foreign concept to me. And I just was like, you know what? I don't think I would like that. I'm just not going to go. And finally, uh, they just asked me so many times I decided to go and it really changed my life I just fell in love with electronic music and the culture and dancing and just the expressiveness and the inclusiveness of this community and I'd never felt that before and so I started booking electronic music acts in college and started booking them at this um, cafe slash nightclub that I was working at and um, booked this artist to come in and perform. And it turns out it was George Clinton's son. And uh, before you knew it, I was in the studio with them learning how to make beats. And very rudimentary. I was producing like in the back of the room, right? Uh, had all these ideas and wanted my ideas to be in the song, but didn't know how to like work the controls and didn't know how to like do it myself. And I was frustrated because I just wanted to make these ideas in my head come to life. And so I just started looking over their shoulder more and just learning and picking up things. And that's how I started producing my own songs. Yeah. What? When did you like make your first beat? Do you remember that? Like, Yeah. When- so, <laughs> well, I wouldn't actually, I wouldn't call it a beat. Um, it was using something called Acid Pro, which is this software program that predates, you know, Ableton or um, pretty much, well, you know, Pro Tools was around then, Cubase was around, but yeah, I was using Acid Pro and it was, uh, it was really great at time stretching audio, I remember. And the way that I got started, like, making beats is just by grabbing loops and putting them together. And that was my version of making beats because I didn't realize that you could do more than that because it was just an audio manipulation program. I didn't know anything about MIDI. So this was around 2000. And somewhere around 2000, 2001, I got introduced to the program Reason. I think it was 2001. And I just remember looking at it and being like, oh my gosh, like there's all this amazing stuff that you can do. And I had no idea that this even existed. So it was probably around 2001, 2002 that I really made my first proper beat, I would say, yeah. like from scratch. And, was, yeah. and that was with Reason? You were doing that was that? with Reason. Yeah. 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 Do you so, still use Reason sometimes? You know, I don't. Yeah. I love it though. Yeah. I mean, I I will always hold a soft spot in my heart for Reason. Propellerhead is a great company. Also, um, from Sweden, which yeah. is a great country, <laughs> and um, I've visited them, and they're fantastic. Um, but I, you know what? Once I got into Ableton Live, I just kind of adopted that, and that just became my go-to. Yeah. yeah. So that's the next question: What's your DAW? Which is mm. obviously, yeah, Ableton Live Ableton. is the DAW. Yeah. yeah. And how did you? So you found that, and and kind of left. Is do you? only use Ableton when you produce? You know what? Now I do. Yeah, now I do. I mean, I went through, before I used Pro Tools to record, I used 
um, Cubase for a while. I used Logic to do f- some film scoring stuff, but um, because I became so heavily involved with Ableton, the company started working at Ableton, became certified in Ableton, all the things. I just was like, you know what? I need to make this my main tool. Um, and so I did. And I just have been using that for the last 10 years, really. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you worked at Ableton. I worked at Ableton. In, in yeah. Like yeah. Well, so I actually started using Ableton in 2005 because I got a job at M-Audio, which distributed Ableton. And it was the free piece of software that came with every piece of M-Audio gear. Right. So people were calling and asking questions like, I've got this Ablatron program. How do we work <laughs> this? And I was like, I don't know. You figure it out. And then I was like, no, you figure it out, Laura. So I figured it out and um, developed a relationship with the company. And then in 2007, they uh, asked me if I wanted to come work for them because they were doing their own distribution. So instead of Amadio distributing them, they decided to do their own. They kind of were a fledgling company before that, and they decided to kind of go out on their own and uh, take some risks and be, stand on their own two feet. And I said, take you, take me with you. And they <laughs> did, they agreed to. And so I became the first um, West Coast product specialist for Ableton. And basically I just, I was the only person in LA working for Ableton. Yeah. And that was such an amazing gig, That's you so know? Cool. Yeah. And then became certified after yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Certified. Can you explain that just for yeah, so uh, back in 2008, and actually this is kind of a sad story, but it's a fun story at the same time. Um, back in 2008, the economy tanked, right? And I'd been working at Ableton for about a year, and I had just gotten top salesperson. I was like going to all these stores and like teaching salespeople how to use Ableton so they could sell it. Um, I should say Ableton Live, you know, but we everyone just says Ableton, but it is Ableton Live is the name of the software. But anyway, everyone knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, anyway, so I was teaching uh, people in these stores how to sell it, right? And a lot of people who I was teaching were like, oh, Pro Tools is the industry standard. Like, this is never going to catch on. And then years later, they hit me up like, oh my gosh, can you give me some lessons? <laughs> um, so anyway, it, the economy tanked. I remember just doing so well and then getting a call from my boss and he was just like really somber and he was like, hey, I'm sorry, but we have to let you go. Yeah. And I was just like, no, I was crying. I was like, this is my dream job. How, how, how am I getting let go? And I, you know, I knew it wasn't personal. I knew it was a business decision, but it was just, um, you know, I wasn't the only person that got let go. So I was like, okay, I I feel comforted in the fact that I'm not the only one, but they restructured the company. And, you know, what they did was they said, well, we have to let you go, but we're developing this certification program and we're going to make you a certified trainer. Um, so it was bittersweet. It was like, okay, um, I'm losing my job, but at the same time I'm getting this title, which at that time didn't really mean anything. Um, but that it, what it did was it just helped put me on the map as one of the first people to be an expert in the program. And soon thereafter, I got started getting calls from, uh, big productions, Cirque du Soleil. I started working with Kanye West and, you know, tons of different artists because, I was at the forefront of this new movement and these shows started using the software. So it ended up oh, being... For, the li- for live purposes. Yeah, so yeah. it ended up being 
a blessing in disguise. You know, and I'm like, mm. now I'm just like, thank you. Thank you for laying me off because, yeah. you know, who knows my life would have not have taken the twists and turns that it has done to come to this point that I'm, I'm at now. And it forced me to become an entrepreneur. It forced me to go out on my own and just be myself and not work for a company. Cause you know, when they laid me off, I thought I even applied to a bunch of companies and I was like, you know what? None of these companies feels right to me because Ableton was like my favorite job. You yeah. know, I was like, if I was going to work for any other company, it's got to be better than this job. I didn't find that. And so then I just was like, okay, I'm going to go out on my own. So did you like go out and tell people like, hey, you should use this, you should use Ableton on your shows and I can show you how to, how, how awesome it is. Uh, yes, kind of. I, I think it was more like, um, the word started getting out that you should use Ableton for your shows and then they would go on the website and then I would be like the only person in LA or one of the only people we did certify other people, you know, but at that time there weren't a ton of people. Um, so I got some calls like that. I mean, the Cirque du Soleil call was literally like they went on the website and were like, Oh, this person, let me call her. And then I ended up moving to Vegas in 2009 and <laughs> oh for four months and working on a Cirque du Soleil show. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know that this was a job. And I made more money in the four months that I had made, you know? <laughs> so I was like, Oh, this is, this is a gig. Great. This is amazing. Um, so yeah, it was, it was definitely a trip. Yeah. So, so I'm curious that, so a job like that you hadn't done, had, was this your biggest show you, you'd done so far? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it was like my first show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, okay. I take that back. I was touring with this band, Niaz. They're a Persian electronic band and I was playing violin and running their set. And, you know, I had some experience, but not with like a huge production like that. Yeah. And what is that even, this is a later question, but let's just dive into it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what does that entail? Like, so you, you got there and then, and then you had to figure out just how to play all their, because it, it, it was like backtrack or they don't perform like yeah backing tracks on top right it's like more yeah for that particular show it was the Viva Elvis show and um, actually it's not running anymore um, but yeah it was just all Elvis's songs so it was it was backing tracks yeah Um, there were performers though with it. I yeah. mean, for you know, every Cirque show is different. Every you know, pop, hip hop show is different. Rock, whatever, jazz. A lot of these artists are using music playback and using backing tracks or yeah. at least clicks um, for drumming and timing and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's it's just every show is different. Um, in the Cirque show, it was very much about like. Um, just arranging the songs in a way um, that the musicians could perform over. Um, I worked on a different Cirque show. So the Elvis show is pretty linear because they weren't going to like mess with Elvis's songs, right? Okay. They weren't going to like change the structure of the songs, yeah. which was interesting. Same thing with like the Beatles love show. It's not like, you know, I think they did take some liberties with that music because they got permission to you. Um, But other shows where the music is created for the show, there's a lot of like looping. There's a lot of just um, biding time until an act is finished. Or if someone misses a trick, you have to go back and do the trick again. Right, right. So, so the, the playback has to like loop or hang on and, you know, things have to fade out and fade back in or, you know, sound effects need to happen at a certain moment or, you know, it's pretty crazy. So, um, 
in the pop and rock and hip hop, all that kind of stuff, it's, I mean, certain shows can be a little bit more intensive. Like there's looping and, you know, there's um, time, uh, the time signature changes and there's set list changes and there's, you know, different cues for in-ears and slates for the um, artists and the bands so and they remember what's coming up or there's time code for the lighting and the video. So all of that stuff is synced up when you go to a big pop, hip hop show, rock show, whatever show, um, all the lighting and videos sync to the time code. So when the chorus hits, those lights in the video does the same thing every night, you know? Yeah, yeah. So all of that's being controlled from the playback system, essentially. Yeah. Is so that Ableton? All of this? It's is all in Ableton. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say every show that you see because people use all different kinds of software. Mm-hmm. I mean, Digital Performer is another favorite um, for live show stuff. Um, but... More and more people are using Ableton for the live shows. And um, yeah, it's it's really beautiful to see it blossom, you know, <laughs> over the cute. years. Yeah. It's so hard to kind of wrap your head around like, you know, 20 songs. How do you like even program that? Like, do you have those on controllers? Or, like, how do you how do you control uh, it? Oh, do you? Yeah. I mean, so um, it depends. Like some, some sets are in session view. Um, which is the clip view. Some uh, sessions are in arrangement view, which is the uh, landscape horizontal view. And uh, it just depends on what the, you know, what the act is and and how much flexibility they need or want. If you're just playing back tracks and there's no looping, you'll probably use arrangement view. Um, If you're doing crazier stuff and looping and, um, different just performing more through Ableton then you might use the session view um but yeah it's just different for every show but yeah using a controller um controlling things from anywhere from just like pressing play and the song plays and um the backing tracks are edited exactly the way that the artist and the musical director and the band want them um, to, you know, transitions between songs, to versions of songs, depending on if there's guest artists that come in. Um, they obviously, if Drake comes to the show, he doesn't want to hear his raps in the verses because he's more a more established artist. And um, so taking his raps out of the verse, if they were in the verse for the show, having those different versions, right? Um or like if it's a less established artist, they might want their verse in there because they need the training wheels to, because they don't, you know, perform as much as someone like Drake does. Um, you know, there's all different kinds of things that you have to like program and know. And it's just usually ends up being one massive session um, that you're controlling and just, yeah, hoping <laughs> that everything all goes according to plan. And the communication yeah. is very key. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It sounds super exciting. But you have to be like mm-hmm. 100% on, like, of course, like oh, absolutely. any live performance. But this absolutely. is like, you have to just be very 100% there, You have to right? be very meticulous. Yeah. Yeah, extremely meticulous. I mean, some people, a lot of people think that they know how to do this job and then they get in and they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Like, it's very intensive. And a lot of that is the communication and deciphering that and, and you know, making sure that the edits are right. I mean, at, there are so many sloppy edits, you know, that can be had and, and made, especially when you're flying through and you're like 
creating with the artist or the band or the musical director and you're on the fly and like seeing how this song might sound next to this song and transitioning from, you know, 120 BPM to 70 BPM over this ramp with some, you know, lion sound effects or, you know, with reverb and bouncing, panning left to right and then a beat coming in for a second and then dropping out, you know, it can get super creative like that uh, where you're, you're just like in the moment just creating uh you're you're producing it's it's live producing it's live production you know you're making music live um or you know you're playing back stuff that you've produced um so that's the fun stuff really is just to get to create those moments you yeah, know yeah yeah and how how did you so you've learned this just on your own kind of how to figure yeah. out how to how to build the structure like this and uh yeah absolutely i mean there's there's definitely a few people you know um coming up that um we we all worked together and kind of shared ideas and things like that but i taught myself how to use ableton i read the manual you know i I didn't have a teacher or anything like that. I just dove in and read it. And now I'm like, okay, I need to go back and read the manual again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, it's been, uh, you know, a few years. There's, it's just, you know, it's amazing. Like all the updates and things that they've oh, yeah. added. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The most recent ones are really yeah. great, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I wanted to hear just quickly some of your favorite plugins like I don't know, do you use plugins li- in live shows um too, not typically i mean well okay i take that back so um not in in typical just playback shows not really um we try to keep the, the sessions lean mm-hmm. because you know sometimes you can have like 20 to 30 songs um but like for my show mm-hmm. i use tons of plugins and for other like independent artists that I work with that are actually controlling their own show. Right. There's, yeah, definitely those plugins. Well, what's some, yeah. some um, Okay, so live, um, I use Autotune. I use Harmonizer, uh, Antares Harmonizer, mm. which is great. Love that stuff. I, I used to have a thing about Autotune and just used to hate on it. I was like, oh, people that use autotune, they can't, just can't sing. And But then I just realized that autotune helps artists express themselves. And that's something, concept that I'm really into is using technology to overcome limiting beliefs or overcome um, ways that we hold ourselves back because we think we can't do something. And I think autotune is a perfect like plug-in for that. Yeah. So definitely love um Love auto-tune, love harmony engine because you just create cool harmonies on the fly with your vocals or an instrument. Oh, yeah, I saw you. Didn't you do a demo of that now? I did. You did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They they brought me out. Yeah, Yeah, that was cool. They were like, whoa, you did uh, some creative stuff there because I think most of the other demos were like, here's how you use it to sound normal. And I was like, here's how you use it to sound weird. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so those two, um, I use something called MIDI Merlin, which I have talked about before in other like interviews and always want to big up um, my friend Randy George who created the software. 
And he uh, basically it's an audio to MIDI converter and it does it in real time. And it's like the pitch tracking is excellent. So I use that with my violin to control synthesizers live. Oh. And I also use it to control the Unreal Gaming Engine, which is like a VR uh, space uh, environment. Um, and basically <laughs> I'm controlling this environment from my violin and controllers through the MIDI Merlin software, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> My brain just <laughs> what, what is it you show the VR or how do you control like a VR headset? No, it's actually no headset needed, but it's the same software that is used in the headset. But it's it's like um, having an immersive uh, immersive situation without a, a headset where yeah. you can see everything. It's just not projected. You yeah, know? yeah, I mean it's not. You know, I like it because it's more inclusive, and you can still see people and see what's happening. And so you you control the visuals behind you as you are playing. Yeah. in like MIDI. Yeah, via this um, software. software. Yeah, 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 yeah. Audio to MIDI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. So, yeah, yeah. It's really <laughs> cool. And I use a Wii controller as well to control the visuals in real time. Yeah. Wii. Okay. Oh, yeah. Those yeah. like the ones that you do. Computer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Huh. yeah so I'm doing that. Um, do you program those yourself or how do, how do you? Yeah, there's a, prog uh, a software program called Osculator mm -hmm. that you can use to convert um, the OSC messages into MIDI, which Ableton can read. Yeah, so that just kind of runs in the background. Um, let's see, other plugins. Um, I use, let's see, live. You see something called Tornado by Sugarbytes. Really, really sick for live performance stuff. Like, try it on your vocals. There's just so much fun to be had. It just there's weird glitchy things, and oh. like, it's it's uh, pretty light on the CPU as well. So I feel comfortable using it live. Um, uh, another thing that I really love for live is Pitch Proof. Um, it's a, it's not light on the CPU, but it sounds amazing. So, um, I use that on my violin to turn it into a cello live and it's a pitch shifter, mm. but it sounds way better than any other pitch shifter I've ever heard in my life. And, um, uh, definitely takes up the CPU because yeah. of that. Um, but it sounds so beautiful and the tracking is amazing on the violin. So it's incredible. Yeah. So, so when you perform, um, you put, you sing, you have you sh you do uh, Ableton for like tracks, and then you play mm -hmm. live violin. Yeah, do play live keyboards too. Um. Keyboards, yeah, and controllers. Yeah, yeah. So all the things. <laughs> there is actually a bunch of clips on the internet about yes, some stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah some there's really some cool stuff, stuff out there. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> oh, that's great! And for for uh, for recording for producing. What are your favorite plugins for that? Okay, so anything sound toys, just love the whole thing, the whole suite. Um, I love, and I, I just recently bought this, Diva, the synth. Uh, hmm. It's, if you want a high quality, I mean, again, not very friendly on the CPU, but the sound is incredible. So Diva, for sure, uh, it just sounds analog. I mean, it just... It, it, Give it a try. Yeah. I, I think they have a trial. It's incredible. Um, and Omnisphere, also just incredible sounds. Just soundscape -y, beautiful, lush. Um, Serum for those like weird, uh, crazy wavetable-ish sounds. 
Um, what else do I use? That's at the top of my list. Um, hmm. Oh, oh, I was going to say this new thing that I got, uh, Slate and Ash Auras, which is like an MPE library for contact. Um, just incredible sounds in that. It's uh, you can use it with your Rolly keyboards mm. or your blocks because it's MPE. Um, the the downside is that Ableton doesn't accept MPE yet. Yes, yes. So I've been using it standalone and then using a program called Loopback to send the audio into Ableton yeah. and sampling it that way. So that okay. way you can still get the expressiveness of the program. Is that in the works? Do you have any insight? <laughs> the MPE? I can't say. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good do you mix also yourself you know i mix everything to a certain point and then i get someone else to do it i used to mix everything myself and i was like you know um i want to hire someone that's better than me at this and i think just investing the money in it is just really a great option if you can just because when you produce something you get to a certain point with it and your ears just get like so used to the sounds and like having a fresh perspective come in and be like, oh, I'm going to mix it this way and change it. That's really, really key, I think. Um, yeah, and I've found some great mix engineers that that do awesome work. So I just realized I, I don't want to try to do everything. I mean, yeah. I did for years, yeah. but then it's like, well, let people that are better than me do it. I had this thing about I need to do everything myself. I need to do every little thing myself because, you know, I want it to be known that I produced, I mixed, I mastered, I recorded, I did everything myself. And now I'm coming around to like, I could do this myself, but like collaborating with people is so freaking awesome. Right. You know, and there's something to be said for collaboration, you know, and letting go of something that's so precious, but like really getting to direct someone else to what you want and working with someone who's just like open to that, I think is key. If you can find someone that's like really just open to your suggestions, I think that's the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's nothing better than being like, a team to, to complete things, right? Absolutely. It's almost like being in a band, but like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like a family. Yeah. Everyone roots for each other. Absolutely. That's the, the great part of it. Absolutely. Um, so, um, favorite microphones. I want to hear both for live, vocal microphones. Okay. Yeah, yeah. For, um, for live and for studio. Okay. Um, so, live I use, I don't know the name of it. Telefunken, I don't know the model number, but it's gold. And I just Is love gold. One? Yeah, it's oh, this yeah, one yeah. right here. Um, yeah, I just loved that it was gold. It also sounds great. Um, but you know what? Like live, just any, like the sure yeah. SM58, you know, you can't go wrong with it. Um, for the studio, I've got this. Uh, Neumann, yeah, it's the Neumann TLM one hundred and two. Yeah, I have to. I had to look. I, I am terrible at the model numbers. I'm like, I don't know. It's a Neumann something. 
Um, but yeah, I use that for my vocals live uh, or in the studio. And then I actually just got this Shure SM7B. I remember the model number of that because I just bought it. And I'm really excited about it. We're talking on it right now. And um, I just I just got it because I was like, you know, I heard from a friend of mine, Da Vinci. Shout out Da Vinci. You guys should all follow him. He's amazing. Um, he said he did a shootout with uh, microphones and a, a blind test or whatever. And it came to like two microphones. It was like t dozens of microphones. Came down to two. And the first one um, he said was like a $4,000 mic. And he's like, yeah, okay, not not doing that one. And then the runner up was, was this one out of all of these microphones. Wow. And uh, I had already ordered it. And then he told me that he used it too. And now you're here with it. And I'm just like, and and also supposedly like Michael Jackson yes. recorded Thriller on this yeah. microphone. Yeah. So that's why I got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I didn't know that until recently. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So. And then I've seen since I got it, I see it in like it's documentaries like everywhere. and like everywhere. Know, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. It's the mic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have good taste. Yeah. <laughs> um uh, what's your preference of analog versus digital? Mm, okay. Um, you know, I love analog stuff for sure. You have a lot of analog. I can just tell this. Uh, a lot of uh, analog keyboards and, and, and stuff in your studio. Uh, you know, yes. And a lot of this, well, some of the stuff I just got recently, um, I just got my Moog subsequent, uh, 37 recently. Love it. Um, But I, you know what, I, I was digital in the box for so many years because I couldn't afford to buy all of this stuff. Um, and even now, like, I don't think my setup is ridiculous. Like, I do have, you know, a few cents. But I try to keep things fairly minimal because I want to limit myself to just using a few tools and, like, getting to know them really well. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I... I love the two together. I think absolutely if you're listening to this and you're just starting out, don't feel like you have to go buy a bunch of gear, right? Because you can get software and sense in the box and use a MIDI controller like um, a Native Instruments um, keyboard or the Ableton Push or something like that. And um, you can use those and you can control software sense and they sound great. Um, now, if you're looking to step it up and you have the money to get some analog gear, by all means, go get that <laughs> stuff because it's going to warm up your sound. It's going to sound great. But um, I think both. Both are awesome. Yeah. You know, yeah. we, we can't have one without the other these days. True. Yeah. True. True. Um, who's a producer uh, that inspire you and why? Mm. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, so there's this artist, Sohn, S-O-H-N. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's how you say his name. I just freaking love his music. Like every time something comes out, it, it's just so beautiful. It's cinematic. The production's just so clear. Um, I just love his music. I think he's a great producer. Um, let's see. I also really love Hudson Mohawk. Um, his just like detail, his taking of risks is really cool. And, you know, I was actually touring with Kanye when, um, they sampled, uh, one of his songs with Tonight, um, f and used it 
And I was just like blown away. I was like, this is, this was like 2013 or something like that. And um, I was just so excited that like an underground producer, like quote unquote underground producer was being just a, sh- a light was being sh- shined on his production yeah. and uh, really elevated him to the next level. And I was producing for all kinds of big artists, but uh, still really love his production. Um, whoever produces FK Twigs, I don't oh, even know yeah. who that is, but shout out to that person, big <laughs> fan. I mean, there's so many just incredible producers out there doing great stuff. I mean, I love Imogen Heap. Mm. Uh, She's one of my favorite artists. Um, She produces everything and she, right? Yeah, she produces everything. Um, She's a fantastic, just like creative technologist as well. Um, Love her. Oh, for her live set, right? Yeah, with the gloves and everything. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of who else that I'm really into right now. Um, there's this, hold on a second. I'm going to just look something yeah. <laughs> up on my Spotify. Um, there is an artist that I started listening to recently. Oh, Rival Consoles. I don't even know who they are, but like their music is really good. Shout out rival consoles. I gotta, I gotta go follow them on Instagram now and find out who they are. <laughs> um, but yeah, if it's like cinematic, if it makes you feel, makes me feel something, I'm into it. You know, yeah. it's generally just the vibier um, music. Also, like going back, Moderat and Mode Selector. I just really like came up on that stuff. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So cool. Um, uh, what what? How would you define your own? Just for people who haven't heard yet. Yeah, how would you define your own music. I call it future classical. So it's like a combination of my classical roots as a violinist with futuristic weird sounds. <laughs> yeah, that's the best way I could put it. So um, yeah, future classical. Yeah, I can hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. thanks. That's good. Um, okay, so last last of the ten quick ones. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, share one music-related uh, thing or experience that you're extra pri- proud of or excited about right now. Ooh, okay. Well, I think probably creating this show that includes the Unreal uh, video and the synchronization with that in my show because it took a lot of tech to figure that out and... Um, I don't really know of anyone else that's doing it right now. So I like think the, v, the, the VR thing? Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's something that I'm particularly proud of. I did a show at National Sawdust a few months ago in New York, which is an incredible venue, and got to perform it there and got to see it on like kind of a bigger scale. And it gave me a ton of ideas on like how to build my show out even further. And, Got me really excited about collaborating with artists that do spatialization and finding more venues that are like 3D dome type venues that I can project everywhere and do crazy sound manipulations. So that's that's one of the things that I'm most proud of right now, I think, is just that, um, just figuring out how to put all of that together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're inventing new 
ways of performing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, I have great collaborators who teach me things and, you know, but I'm like piecing it together from like, okay, I learned this thing from this person and I learned this thing from this person and does this work together and how can it affect audiences? I mean, really at the end of the day, it's about, you know, making the show enjoyable for the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, That's great. Let's dive uh, deeper, even deeper. (laughs) Um, So we've talked a little bit already about how you started out and then you got to LA and then you were at Ableton. Um, So talk about maybe from, um, you know, you started doing the shows and things and, and when did you... Uh, like, what was it like after you, after you came home from Cirque du Soleil? What happened then? Oh, like, yeah. Un, up until where we are today. So I came home in 2010, um, and I <laughs> it was amazing. I, I, had, uh, I had paid off all my debt. I was a new person. I was like, I'm getting a new car, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, but then I was like, well, what am I going to do now? I don't know. And uh, it was interesting. I'd met, um, well, for a year, I basically was doing a lot of um, master classes and teaching and like consulting for people, helping them with their setups. And um, I had gotten a call from this guy who was Kanye's engineer and uh, through a mutual connection. And he said, we're working on this show and can you help us out? I think this was actually 2009, but I couldn't end up going on the tour with them because um, I had previous engagements, right? So I helped them out for a little bit and then I had to leave. And then in 2011, I got a call back randomly through another friend and he and I swapped gigs and all of a sudden I was like back working with Kanye and my first gig was like South by in 2011 um, and I just started working with him and touring with him uh, and did that show and then did Coachella and Lollapalooza in South America and went on the Dark Fantasy tour uh, and we played a bunch of shows in America and in Europe and went on to do the Yeezus tour and, oh, oh, before that, the Watch the Throne tour with Jay-Z, Yeezus tour, and then the Pablo tour. So, yeah, just... Um, just one after another. Just like- well, no, there was there was laps, there was gaps. I mean, it sounds like it was like all at once, but it really wasn't. He doesn't actually tour that crazy. Like he's not like a Beyonce or, or a Rihanna or a Katy Perry who they tour massively in every market for years. Um, he definitely likes to pick and choose where he's going to tour, and like his shows are very intricate, and so there's a lot of production and a lot that goes into the shows. So. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of like what we, what we call in the industry one-offs where you have a break for a little while and you fly out for one show and then come back. So it really, it kept, kept me busy, but then on my off time, I would just be able to like chill and work on my own music and play my own shows. And then in between tour cycles, I would work with other artists and, you know, do shows with them. And 2015, I toured with Miguel and opened for him. That was for your, for your aunt own artist project, right? Well, so I opened for him yeah. like as a DJ, yeah. you know, doing my controllers and stuff and it wasn't 
I did play my own songs in it, but it was more of like a DJ thing. Yeah. And uh, then I played in his band as well, so controlling all the backing tracks. And um, so that was cool. Um, funny story. One time we were doing a show and Kendrick uh, was a guest artist and he came up and uh, they gave me a USB stick with his song on it like during the middle of the show. And mm. I had to get the song <laughs> off the USB stick into Ableton while the session was running and then play the song. Yeah. Um, that happened more times than, you know, I care to remember now. Oof. But uh, but yeah, fun stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so just was I toured um, with Miguel. I was doing some shows. I just did a lot of show setups like Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs and, and Bon Iver. Didn't actually tour with them, but, you know, started uh, – set up their shows, design their shows. Did you, and then teach, like, their team to kind of control it? Well, actually, I started teaching my own team to control oh, yeah. it. Yeah, and that's kind of how— when you sort of built, started building your company? Yeah, that's kind of how I started building my company because I was getting so many calls to do shows um, that I uh, just—I I wanted to clone myself. And yeah. I was like, what can I do? I'm going to find this other person. I remember that one of the first people um, or clients to call me was The Weeknd, and it was back in 2012 when he had just put out his mixtapes, and he had just had a Coachella show, and it wasn't the best, and they were like, we need to actually get someone who knows what they're doing. And I was like, well, I would love to help you, but I'm touring with Kanye right now, and I just I don't have time, but I have this other person that I'm going to give to you, and he works for my company. <laughs> you know, and and I'd done a little bit of that before, but then I just kind of just started training more people and putting them in. So I was like, okay, I'll come out and like do the first couple of days and set everything up. And then I've got this other person who can come in and like actually do the show. Yeah. Yeah. So he was said one and then you just and now you're up at 15 employees or, or so? Yeah, they're not employees. Everyone's freelance. Yeah. Um, you know, we've everyone's got, you know, different gigs and things like that. I mean, they're um, but we are like it's like a collective of people who are doing different stuff. Yeah, so you have people cool. to call for. Like, yeah. yeah, we have people to call. I mean, there's some more pe some people that are working more full time than others, and you know, um, but it, it's not no. At this point, like um, touring is a very fickle thing. You know, it's not like uh, any other job, right? Where it's like a nine to five thing. It's like sometimes you know you're on tour for a few months, and then you're not for a few months, and then you are, and. So, yeah, kind of ebbs and flows. Yeah. Yeah. It's not for everyone. Some people are like, lo love the lifestyle and they want to do that. And other people are like, no, I need my stability. I need to know, like, I'm making this paycheck, like, every other week. And, you know, I've got my benefits and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but now you actually, I saw you do, uh, like, master classes. Didn't you do one of South by Southwest? Like, yeah. Uh, is this what you teach? In those master classes? Yeah. So South by brought me out. I did a presentation, a performative presentation called The Art of Designing a Live Show. And I talked through some of my process and working with artists and how I design my own live show. And I performed and um, talked to the audience. So I've been doing that presentation quite a bit um, over the last year. I also did that, a similar presentation at the Ableton Loop Conference mm -hmm. last year and was on a panel there. 
Um, so always uh, not just talking, but performing and talking and just sharing, you know, what I do as an artist and what I do as an entrepreneur as well. I mean, it's increasingly more and more people are asking me those kinds of questions. And um, and I actually shifted from using the artist name Alux to my name largely because of that last year. I just realized, you know, I can be an artist and entrepreneur all in one and I can use my own name. And um, so I made that transition and really just happy about that. I mean, Alux was great and I, it was it held a special place in time. Um, but I really just wanted to show more of who I was as a person and as an artist and, and use my own name. So yeah, that transition happened. And yeah, so I've been doing stuff like that. And then also um, I've got some programs like online, which are really exciting right, that I'd love right. to tell you about, yeah. um, as well as MasterTrack. So um, once a year, Electronic Creative is my company. We do a playback training program, usually around March, um, for people that want to learn how to be touring playback engineers. And we've ended up hiring several people from the program. And now they're on huge tours like with Ariana Grande and Mariah Carey and they've done all kinds of amazing stuff so it's really great to see um, the progression of several of the people that we've hired um, or that we've trained in such a short time and um, this year we actually had our first woman in the program uh, which is amazing um, so hopefully more and more will be applying and coming to MasterTrack um, Where is that? Is it? It's in LA. You you go there. In yeah, yeah, it's in person. It's in LA. Um, a week. It's a week. week. Okay. Yeah, it's a week long. So we did that this year, and then um, also I've got Transmute, which is my program for um, artists to learn how to develop their live shows, and that's a like a, a course, right? So it's a course you take. It's online. You watch modules, but there's an interactive component where once a week you get together with me and everyone in the group and you talk through, uh, ask any questions that you might have about your show, talk through solutions, just get to know the community. It was incredible. I had people from all over the world, like Singapore, Slovenia. I had a guy in Slovenia that woke up at 3 a.m. his time every morning, or not every morning, but every week to hang out with us on video chat. Mm. Um, so cool. Um, so, and then... Um, yeah, we had the Q&As. I had tons of guest artists that would come on and like share their live sets and talk to the students. And that was a, an eight-week course. So I did that in February and March. And then after that was over, I kind of got sad and I was like, I just want this to continue on. And the people in Transmute wanted it to continue on as well. So I started Elevate and that's a membership program. And so what that is, is like a monthly membership where you can... Um, do a monthly call with me in the group and ask questions and learn things and I'm uploading training videos and like showing what my process is like and then also bringing in guest artists to show what their processes are like so we actually just did one uh, last week with um, our guest Timo Priest who's a good friend of mine and he walked through like his whole session and like all the gear that he uses and like it's really like cool information and I'm constantly like meeting new people that I think would be great to come in and talk and so yeah so Elevate is super fun so we're doing that and there's also like a Facebook community for all this stuff so people are constantly in there asking questions and like hanging out and nerding out and <laughs> so yeah I'm really really proud of that stuff because, you know, I mostly quit touring um, a few years ago in 2016. I actually um, got really sick. I 
I think it was a combination of being exhausted from just pushing myself and touring and being all over the world all the time. And uh, and also I ate something and it really affected my stomach and I was, ended up being in the hospital for like 20 days and like completely changed my life. I just, something inside me just completely shifted. I quit drinking. I, you know, I just really, not that I was like a heavy drinker, but, you know, in the touring lifestyle, I definitely like was drinking a lot more. And that was a way that we would de-stress after the shows and, you know, completely changed my lifestyle. And I thought, well, maybe I'll come back to it. And I just loved the way that I felt so much without it. I just never went back. And um, so that was really the catalyst for me to kind of change my life. And I realized that touring with other artists, while completely fun, it was, it was for a certain time period in my life. And like, I just turned 40 and yes, I'm just going to like be um, open and say it (laughs) because I think that we should all embrace like how our, our beauty. And as we grow older, you know, there's no reason for us to like hide our age or be, have industry, you know, industry ages and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, I'm super happy to be where I'm at, but also just realizing, okay, like in this time in my life, the, the transitions, you know, are made. You Maybe I don't want to be flying to um, like, Singapore or like wherever, um, for a weekend, you know, every, every week or something, you know? So anyway, I've, I'm, I'm going off the rails now, but like, (laughs) you know, um, it's been, it's been important for me to like help other people with my knowledge, you know, and like help them develop their programs and like build community. You know, Mm -hmm. I just love community. I love, um, I love to to help people in the community within the community, and I've built uh, the people within Electronic Creatives in my community. They help other people as well, and that's one of the things that I'm really proud of. Is like we we don't have any secrets, you know. Mm-hmm. We if you're in our circle and 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 if you're in your, our circle, it means you know we think that you are um, a good person with good morals and like loves to help other people and it's just fun to be around and genuine and cares then that's that's the that's what we look for really you know and so I think it's important and that's great because that's what you're doing too with this so yeah yeah no it's it really gives back like it feels it feels good to share like there's so much knowledge just sitting there in different studios around the world absolutely it's uh, you know, it's amazing to be able to share or hear about everyone's different because everyone also has a different, everyone has a different experience, but a lot of it's still the same. Like there's so many Absolutely. things that are like, oh, I, you know, yeah. relatable for other oh, people yeah. in the same place. And when you find that common thing, I just love that feeling. Yeah. You know, oh my gosh, wait a minute. So you were listening to, you know, Massive Attack in 1998 also? <laughs> I was too, you know, uh, or whatever. Um but and, yeah, and we're of course linking to um, to Laura's website where oh, you can find all of these link, um, link. Um, information, and uh, it's, so it's on www.prodbyher.com slash Laura Eskide. Um, Sweet. So that's that's where you'll find it. Yeah, but you could also just search just, for could, Laura, and you'll find everything. Yeah, I was gonna say, or maybe just <laughs> put <laughs> Laura because yeah. <laughs> my last name might no. Oh, you yeah, should be able to find Laura. it. Maybe just slash Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have another Laura on, then then you could be like, mm. 
the other Laura. Not yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> you can be the first. Um, okay. Um, something I'm curious about. Um, when you start working with an artist, say like, um, or when you started working, I mean, Kanye and you, did you, for example, you probably like grew together in this field. But like, mm-hmm. if uh, when Logic comes and needs something from you, like, hey, I need a show, where, how mm. do you design a show with an artist? What, what, what does that look like? Do you guys sit uh-huh. in a room together and talk about what the show is going to be for a week? Or how, mm. how does this process Oh, like? I wish it was like that. <laughs> um, Uh, Logic is a great example because um, working with him was fantastic. Uh, two years ago, before the 1-800 song really hit, um, that was his first like big smash hit. He had some songs. I knew who he was. I like there was one song that I really heard of his that I liked, but he wasn't super on my radar. Um, we got in contact with them, uh, or they got in contact with us or with me, and you know, they just said, hey, we want to, like, build out his show. And the way that it goes is, like, most artists just have a DJ or someone in the band pressing play on, like, a one backing track, mm-hmm. you know, without stems. Um, and so that was his case. And so what we did was we brought in all the stems and worked with the musical director and him to create a show. And... um That was the first time he had the ability in his ear in ear monitors to uh, the monitor engineer could control what came up or came down, and so it was really awesome seeing the look on his face the first time where he's like, "Oh, so I can, I can do that. I can bring up my back- backing vocals or bring them down or whatever." And also, just it makes for such a cleaner, better sounding show because the monitor engineer and the front of house engineer who is the person that's mixing the entire show for the audience to hear have control over these different elements like the bass so the bass doesn't sound as muddy because they can EQ it and uh, all that stuff so yeah it it's it was really cool to, uh, to help him realize um, what is what is possible you know and and mm-hmm. other artists like him to realize what's possible it's like my favorite thing to work with artists at that level that are just about to blow up and and they're like okay we're ready to level up um so that you know but the process it, it's funny that you say you sit in a room for a week and you kind of do but i i really wish and i'm advocating for um, managers if any managers are out there listening to this um before you spend all the money for a space like a huge space where it's a rehearsal space and there's tons of people that are sitting around waiting for edits to happen book out a studio space with us so that we can create the music and create the edits beforehand or with the band in a smaller space where it's vibey and there's not a million people waiting around because you actually lose money that way um, because most of the time the music doesn't get programmed or edited until like all of the people are in one room and then the, so people are just sitting around twiddling their thumbs so you're or, programming kind of live with people live with people there and you're yeah kind of like okay so here's a break like what do we do during this break absolutely yeah okay And everyone's watching, and you, you know. And, and you're there. And yeah, like, everyone's watching you, and everything's happening. <laughs> and uh, it's fun. I mean, you're you're on the spot, you yeah. know. Like, everyone's waiting for you. And if you can't do it quickly, it's just like, yeah. 
So, um, but it's fun too. Yeah. I love it. Love it. It's yeah. like performing. It is performing. For a small audience. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Important audience. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of what that process is like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just keep refining the music and refining um what is played out through the different stems and outputs and, you know, what people can control and then setting up the time code for the lighting and the video that plays alongside the the stems um, so that the lighting and video can uh, program to that. And um, then you rehearse it all and you hopefully have a ton of rehearsals, but usually not enough unless you're in the pop world because those artists really do rehearse. I mean, I've heard like artists like Madonna and Beyonce and they were, they rehearse for months. I mean, I'm sure most, a lot of people have seen like Beyonce's homecoming video on Netflix and I mean, they rehearse for months for one show. And I was like, wow, so envious because a lot of the artists that I've worked with do not rehearse, you yeah, know, and they just, yeah. it, and it, it's so stressful when there's no rehearsal time and and uh, you just go to do the show and you're like, okay, we're just winging it, you know? So anyway, I digress. But yeah, and then you go out and you do the shows. Yeah. So it's like kind of like that's the process. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> Then it's like, okay, then it makes sense. Like you're in, you're, do, you're kind of building it together. Absolutely. As a, as a oh, team. it's a team. Yeah. Yes, team yeah. effort. Everyone's building, you know. And then, of course, there's uh, oftentimes vocal effects like auto-tune or reverb or delays or you distortion. Auto, or you, auto, auto, you put that on automation or is this um, all of this like live? Sometimes, online? but I always did it live. Like yeah. when Kanye did all of his vocal effects live yeah. in the moment improvising with him and you know would sometimes turn on like a delay and he would hear it and then he would know that he could you know scream and it would have this awesome sound you know through it or right you know we kind of like I got after so many years of working with him I kind of knew when he wanted to go somewhere and you know it was cool to be able to facilitate that in the moment you know or like one time he asked me to play or he, he said hey give me that uh that uh the monster voice or, you know, or something like that. And I did put on this octaver uh, sound and he started, it became a part of the show, oh, you know, yeah. because he had this idea in the moment. I just turned it on and he was able to rock it from there. And so that was, stuff like that is really cool when the art, you're improvising with the artist. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a live performance for sure. Like yeah. you're also doing the, the full live performance. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Incredible. I want to talk about American Idol. Oh, yeah. What is so? Let's talk about a that. A whole other, I mean, similar, but other. Um, yeah. Kind of when you get, have you been, you've been working with that for a while? This was my second year. Mm-hmm. So um, last year they rebooted the show, um, they revived it. It had changed stations. And yeah. So last year was my first year. And then we just wrapped up our season two. Yeah, and yeah. that's kind of you're designing it the same way. You're like you rehearsing with the artists and and yeah. the show, but that's a very different. time specific, right? Yeah, it's a, it's really different, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, first of all, it's television; it's live. Um, I mean, live shows are also live, but like you know, I think the biggest show that I ever did was Glastonbury, and I think there was like a hundred thousand people there. But on American Idol, eight million to ten million. To, I don't know how many million people watch the show. So the stakes are actually a lot higher, you know? And um, 
but it's fun and in the same way because you're just like, oh, wow, this is just, you're living, you know, you're just absolutely living. Um, and that's why we have redundancy, which is one thing I didn't talk about, but like we have dual two computers and dual audio interfaces and a switcher. And if one, the first machine goes down, it automatically switches over to the backup machine. So there's wow. a little bit of comfort in that for and sure. And they're running you simultaneously. simultaneously. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're running, yeah. Um, so yeah, Idol is a bit different because um, you only perform the songs one time and then you move on. And so week to week, there would be less contestants, but they would do, you know, more songs or the guests come on. And so, um, yeah, it was a, it, it's a very different environment. It's very structured, which I like. It's very much like you start at this time and you end, you know, at this time and we're, when you're done, whereas the touring world is like, everyone gets there at this time. You might not start for, I don't know, four hours. And then you might be there all night long waiting for the artists to come in yeah. because, you know, they partied last night and you just don't know when they're going to roll in. So, I mean, literally, like sometimes, you know, I've been waiting for artists, like sleeping on the floor of rehearsal space, you know. Um, so stuff like that I don't miss you know and as far as touring but um but yeah Idol's great it's like you know in LA in town great team great musicians um very versatile you know like and I'd never done a TV show uh until I did Idol mm -hmm. so it was a it was a learning experience for me because it was very different from touring um there's a lot of there's more people that you have to communicate with right um in touring either you're pressing the button because the artist says go or you know when the next song is being played um, or there's a DJ that's pressing play on your rig. Um, but in TV land, you get counted down and you, know, you have to like be right on the money with it. You also have to communicate with not only the monitor engineer, the person that's mixing the show in the studio, but you have to communicate with the person that's mixing the broadcast. So um, yeah. there's a, quite a lot of people that you have to communicate with um, regarding what you're sending and how it's going to go down. Yeah. So, um, but that being said, it's, you know, a great experience. Um, lovely. So anyway, yeah, that experience is really, really cool. And it's only for like a specific time period, which is great for me. So now I know what it is. And like, I know that, you know, the beginnings of my years is, is oftentimes that. And then now I'm back to focusing on my music and, you know, doing other shows. Are you, are you working on a new album? I just started working on new music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I put out an EP last fall um, called Transmute. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I am working on new music. I am, you know, trying to find my new sound, right? Because I feel like um, I'm evolving. And so I'm just like playing with sounds. I'm, I'm just, I'm reframing it like rather than, working on new music or like putting these like hard and fast like rules like I must be doing working on music I need to be working on music like playing with music mm -hmm. and just kind of with no that's what I've been doing the last couple of weeks just playing with no agenda right like I think as we get older sometimes or even younger but like we can put pressure on ourselves to like have music come out as an end product like okay I needed to come out on this date and like 
this many people needs to like it or like listen to it or whatever. And that's like the barometer for our success with music. And it's just a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves to, to execute that. And so I'm really trying, I've been doing a lot of thought work and changing my thoughts around creating music and just really rediscovering it as play and like, hey, I'm going to make this beat or I'm going to play with this synth, but it might not be for anything. Like, and that's okay. Mm. Like, it's, you know, I, the, the mindset shift is really, really important for me because I can go down this hole of like, okay, once a month I need to release music and it needs to come out. And, you know, and I started to do that. And, um, and I realized, no, I'm just going to play for a little while and I'm going to tinker I'm going to find my new sound. And then on the other side, you know, then it'll just start flowing more. So, yeah, yeah that's where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you collaborate with other people for your own music? To, I do. Produce? Yeah, I do. And I want to more. Um, I feel like I was making music isolated for a while. And I just learned so much more and just love being in the room with other people. So I'm definitely like looking to collaborate more with people on producing and, and performing as well um i just think it's so fun and yeah i think it just elevates everything to just bring other people into the mix yeah yeah have you worked with other producers ever in, like, i have collaborating on the same yeah station? i have yeah it's really interesting yeah. it's like i mean obviously they have to use ableton otherwise you know it's like speaking a completely different language yeah. for me um, I mean, I can get by in the other programs, but it's just not, I'm not fast. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I want to do more of that, you know, I want to do more like producing with other, with other people and just, you know, cause everyone's got such a different bag of tricks, yeah. you know, and I'm learning stuff constantly yeah. from other people and it surprises, you know, I'm like, wow, I didn't know this thing. Cool. You know, like no one knows everything. Yeah. You know, even like I've been in this game for a long time and I'm still like, like just constantly learning new stuff. And I think it's great. And I don't try to like hide the fact that I'm learning new stuff either. I'm like, yeah, I don't know that. I don't know this plugin or I don't know this software yeah. or whatever. And there's like hundreds and hundreds yeah. of, of plugins. There's and things to know. So many tricks to do the same thing, but maybe... <laughs> I One know. way is more efficient than the other or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Super important to just let go of that. Yeah. That's why th th this podcast has been really fun in the sense that hearing pe other people talk about the way they work. Uh -huh. It's like, oh, oh, that plugin, you use that? And yeah. Like, just the, it kind of broadens your mind a little bit. Like you're mm -hmm. so, when you work alone, you're just so in your box, right? Absolutely. So it's kind of... It creates kind of a community just hearing this and like it's fun mm -hmm. to share it. Other people can hear it, you know? Absolutely. And and in Elevate, we are like sharing tools all the yeah. time. That's what that's why I wanted to create it. Because I was like, I want a community where people can share their like really, I mean, yes, there's a cost for the program, but that's because I'm like bringing people in that are really sharing like detailed in-depth like ninja stuff you know so I was I was like I want a community where I'm gonna learn ninja stuff um, that I don't know and it was partially selfish because I really wanted and I still want to bring people in that are doing cool stuff that I don't know about and just learn from them yeah yeah, yeah. and then let other people in on the fun too right yeah <laughs> that's great
Do you have any advice for someone starting out and maybe just is in the middle, in the thick of like, mm-hmm. should I keep going or should I, you know? Oh, you should absolutely <laughs> keep going. If I listened to all the people that told me to, that I wouldn't be able to get it or, you know, to stop or like were condescending to me, you know, or treated me in a certain way, like I wouldn't be where I am. And I just had to keep going, you know. How did you handle that? Did you just like, oh, I'm going to show you or what kind of mentality? Internally, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to prove to you, not necessarily to you, but to myself, you know, that I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to adopt that. And, you know, it's challenging at every step of the way. I'm not going to like sit here and say, you know, (laughs) oh, it's, it's easy peasy now, you know, but like, as you get older, you learn more and you learn to let things kind of flow a little bit more than, or at least I do than I used to and not put so much pressure on myself to be perfect and like do every little thing and, you know, just put things out, just like put it out. Just like, don't worry about every little detail, you know, and just keep going, you know, just keep making stuff, just play and keep making it and putting it out there and just you'll you'll get some you'll get somewhere if you just keep doing it yeah Yeah. do you have a favorite quote that keep you going on on dark days oh okay um let's see favorite quote well I don't know if this is a quote but it's something that I tell myself um but that I'm not responsible for other people's emotions yeah. So I don't think it's a quote, but it's just like something that I tell myself all the time, yeah. you know, and it's easy to forget that because, you know, people get upset or sad or this or that. And we can get so wrapped up in that and feeling that. And, and uh, you know, it's really important for me as an empathetic person to um, just remind myself that I'm not responsible for their feelings or emotions. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a a good one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, so with that, I want to say thank you so much for being a guest oh having thank you here in your studio thank you so much it's, it's been, been so fun this is like yeah you did your homework and it's so awesome to talk with people that have done such extensive research and homework on my work and it's just flattering so thank you so much for taking thank the time to do that of course yeah thank you and best of luck with everything in the future thank you thanks bye bye <laughs> And thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in and soaking up all this knowledge. We have a lot of info about this and previous episodes on our website, www.proudbyher.com. And if you have any questions, you can reach out via our website or Instagram account, Proud by Her. All right, till next time. Bye-bye.